All right, welcome to the AdaptX podcast, where we have conversations with individuals who are building accessible businesses, advocating for inclusion, or excelling in adaptive sports. Our intention is never to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, but amplify their ideas and voices so more businesses and organizations can do the same. Today, we're joined by Tim Alexander, a speaker, author, athlete, husband. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for yeah. allowing me to be here. Yes, sir. Uh, so Tim's out from Atlanta for a keynote at this YMCA uh, presentation, sharing um, the role of the YMCA in your life, as well as uh, the adversity that you've overcome. Uh, maybe we can start with the YMCA's role in uh, both your upbringing and now uh, are you involved in various capacities? Yep. Thank you so much, Brandon, for allowing me to be here from Birmingham, Alabama. My YMCA was the Northeast YMCA, and I've been a part of the YMCA from a minor to teenager to young adult and still now involved with the YMCA, you know, just on the mission of building communities and developing our young adults through the comprehensive resources that we have. And you don't really know that growing up in it, but as you become older and wiser, now you're able to look back and see what they were doing and why they were doing based on the needs. So I'm very thankful for the YMCA. It's bigger than the YMCA song that we love. It's it's the belonging of the mission and each individual that makes up the mission. So thank you. Yeah, the reason that we personally loved working with the YMCA was like you mentioned, that mission of creating access and inclusion, um, not only for people with disabilities, but all ages. Right. Um, I wonder if other gyms and organizations can kind of execute yeah. a similar model uh, yeah. to kind of reduce some of those barriers and increase yeah. uh, increase participation across all ages. Yeah. Um, what have you personally found um, in terms of the YMCA that has helped you post-injury, uh, kind of just in your career as a whole? Yep. I think about going back home when I had my injury at 17 years old. We did not know anything about the handicapable community. If I'm being completely honest, that was one of the reasons why I was suicidal because we didn't have resources. We didn't have any exposure to an area where we knew the even first question to ask. And so I challenged and struggled a lot by just saying, if I'm going to be like this the rest of my life, it might as well pull the plug. And so I beat that moment and then Feeling came back and I became a paraplegic from the waist down, but I still wasn't happy or whole in my mind or happy with myself due to a lack of resources. And quite frankly, you don't see a lot of chair users around, right? When you're in therapy, you see everybody that's injured or wounded. But once you get released to go back and transform in your own rehabilitation way, you don't see it. So I had to become, you know, it's a lot of quotes out there. There is not change. You become change. And so I immediately had to become what I wanted to see, right? While being a one-band show, but I didn't have to do it alone. I was able to do it with the Northeast YMCA. And remember, I learned how to be a lifeguard at the YMCA. And so I remember becoming a paraplegic lifeguard. Thankfully, nobody ever drowned it, right? But I would still be able to jump in there and get them. They just gave me an opportunity to, to live out my why, right? By starting with my what. And so from there, I started working with other departments and working with other programs. And it is true. Once you get your purpose, once you get your vision, once you get your mission and your statement instilled in your heart, then it will innately be a part of you wherever you go, wherever you grow. And so here I am now, one of the most sought after speakers in this world, an influential leader. I'm still living on basic principles that I learned at the YMCA. Because we as people, we make different things hard, right? 
my my cousin just graduated with his CDL license. And I said, okay, tell me the first thing you do when you get in your truck. He was like, what you mean? I said, tell me the first thing you do. Oh, I'm going to check my mirrors. I'm going to let my truck warm up. I'm going to make sure my, my side mirrors and everything I can see. I said, yeah, that's the first thing you're supposed to do when you get in your car. So so, so the farther we grow in life, sometimes the farther we grow away from the basic things. And so I've just learned that so that you don't get burnt out in life and through life or with your life, just always go back to the basics. And so I've been living off the basics. Never forget where you come from. Come back to see where you come from. Never forget that your resource help, that your resource help, right? Come back to see how your resources is helping. Never forget that you were a light even in a dark place. Come back and meet other people who may be in a dark place where you can be their light. Never forget that to whom much is given, much is required, which is a Christian principle. That the YMCA is built on Christian principles. So come back and see that to whom much is given, much is required. Never forget that you can you can never give honor to something that you haven't been exposed to. So this new world that you're exposed to, come back and expose it to our young adults who have never been to uh, New Hampshire, who may never come to Massachusetts, who may never fly, fly into Manchester Airport. Come back and let them know that there is a world out there that's willing to embrace you and give you a sense of belonging, but you have to have the resources and become a resource else you will never be able to see that, right? And seeing that is not common. People say all the time, common sense ain't common, right? I got a friend that's that's partially impaired that I have to lead across the street. But as I'm leading them, I'm still like, hold up, you don't see this stop sign? You know, because I just forget sometimes, right? Sometimes we do forget when we caught up in that moment. But one day he said, man, I can see better than most people who got sight. Because what you see right now is your sight. But what you see for the future is your vision. You get what I'm saying? And so that's the key that we must always live outward. Not about what we see right now is sight, but our what we see for the future, which is our vision. And I'm so thankful. And I come from a background that challenged us to imagine based on a realistic mind. I don't have unrealistic dreams. I have realistic, achievable dreams that I know is going to take not only effort, but a value effort, Brandon, to get there. Sorry to give you that rant, but... No, no, that's exactly what I want. My role is always just to stay out of the way of, yes. uh, of the speaker. So uh, at the core of kind of what you are mentioning there was representation. Um, you left the hospital and you didn't see a lot of wheelchair users. And I think that's one of the things... Uh, that we really try to uh, advocate for is yeah. that like demystifying disability yeah. by including them in regular facets of yeah. life. So yeah. you might go to a gym and you look around and you don't see anyone in a wheelchair and you immediately think, oh, maybe this isn't the place for me. Right. But if you walk in and you see able-bodied individuals, wheelchair users, uh, individuals with visual impairments, you start to think that, okay, yeah, maybe this too. is. So yeah. I think that's like the model that the why is after. It's a model that we're after at my gym 
Uh, and I think it's essential for getting people involved in programs like this is that representation right. piece. Yeah. Um, did you have anyone after um, your injury that you kind of like looked up to or that started you like guiding you in the right direction? Yeah. So I believe it or not, I look up to a lot of people who've been through far greater things than I'm going through and growing through right now that still made it. So a person that I met in my journey was a gentleman who got hit by a train. He was a chair user for about 20 years. Right. He's doing better than what he was when he got hit through through nutrition, through the ability to go out and be unique and understand that there is no uh, physical limit to human achievement. There is no fitness limit to human achievement. If you have someone that's willing to have equipment and accessibility accessible for all. Right. And willing to have a person to not focus on what you can't do. There's no need for you to be like. We're going to focus on you doing leg press the entire time. I may not come back to your training, right? Because I already know that that's going to be a challenge for me to continue to do. I may can try, but then we got to also learn to, to really pour into people's strength. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, we call that bright spots at right. the gym. So like you can challenge clients in various ways. And uh, whenever we have a client with an SCI or with a lower body, uh, um, impairment where like we're still going to try to strengthen legs because yeah. it's important to get you up standing trying yeah. to do different things yeah. uh, but we also want to kind of like you said play to your strengths um, emphasize bright spots see what you can excel yeah. at and make sure that you leave the gym feeling accomplished yeah. Yeah. so I never forget I had I left the, I was leaving the Y and I had to go to a facility called the Lakeshore Foundation. Yeah, I'm that's, familiar with that. Yep, that's in Homewood. Yep, at UAB. That's a partnership. They work heavy with the Y. And I went up to the lake. I went up to the Lakeshore Foundation, and it was like handic. It was like handicapable universe, yeah. right? Like everybody here was dealing with something. Like, you know, if you in this gym, you got something you growing through. Everybody is unique. Everybody is handicapable. But I remember at first I was like, man, I don't want to work out here because I was thinking I would never get better. If I just do what every chair uses and everybody else is doing, like, no, I want to go out there and work and work out in general society and, and, and go out there and, and go to Lifetime Fitness or Planet Fitness or Riviera, whatever. But then I'll never forget, I saw a basketball come across. And once an athlete, always an athlete. And I'm a football player. But I saw this basketball. And I'm like, man, let me see if I still got it. Had not even shot a basketball after my car accident. So I'm dribbling. And I shoot my first shot. I make my first shot. Get the ball again. Shoot my second shot. Make my second shot. Get the ball again. I go out to the three-point line. Nothing but the bottom of the net. Boom. I hear a coach yell out, I want to offer you right now to the University of Alabama to come and play wheelchair basketball. Say, said, man, I don't want to play wheelchair basketball. I want to learn how to walk again. I'm going to walk. He said, well, in the meantime, as you're learning how to walk again, we still want you to be an athlete. I did not know that I didn't have to give up walking to become a paraplegic athlete. I didn't know. I just thought like, hey, this would hinder me, but no, this was going to give me the, the nutrition and the fitness and that coaching that every athlete loves, every person loves to even feel like they were on the team. If they wasn't, I would still get that moment again. And that's what truly pushed me to understand 
it's not about where you are, it's about where you're going. And you can't base your eyes on what you see because it's temporary. Base your eyes on what's coming next. And so just that partnership, I'm so thankful that the YMCA was able to direct me to the Lakeshore Foundation. And it was just a circle effect. And that's what truly allowed me to advocate I became a poster board for the, I was a poster board for the Y, I became a poster board for the Lakeshore Foundation. I became a role model. We created a program called Come and Roll With Me. We take away, I know how you feel until you've really been in a chair all day. And it gives you a little bit of knowing. Because you will never know how we feel unless you have, you've, you've been given a, an injury like that. You can know a little bit, but eventually you don't get up and get out and walk. So I was just able to be what I wanted to become based on an epic experience that was given me. And that's why I talked about in my message, the, the, the epic experience of the opportunity, right? Coming to the why, coming to Lakeshore, coming back to the why, coming back home, it allows me to be reminded of the experience that allowed me to participate in that created an image of connection that said, I can do this, but not only I can do this, other handicapped communities in the world can do it too. And so that's why I live my life is saying, okay, what are you doing for the handicapped community? Yeah. Right? How are we making their life accessible for all? How are we giving them the same opportunity as the next person? Because now I know, because I've seen life from walking one day to rolling the next, now trying to rewalk. So as soon as I figure it out, I turn around and advocate to help somebody else figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the Lakeshore is one in a million. Yeah. Um, we use some of their resources. Dr. Rimmer from the Lakeshore yeah, okay. has the AIM Free uh, manual, and they just opened a sports performance lab. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they're, they doing, they're yeah. doing a bunch of yeah. research yeah. On, um, on wheelchair racing and trying to come up with better standards yeah. for uh, Paralympic athletes. So that's awesome. Like, obviously that's like the gold standard, yeah. but then we try to impact like local communities and yeah. all the regular recreational yeah. activities. So you can continue to participate. Um, I was wondering, this is a question that we ask some of our guests, uh, who've, uh, gone through like TBIs, SEIs. Do you think an acquired disability and losing a goal of yours is more challenging than someone who might have a lifelong disability. Yeah. Well, you give me what you mean by acquired, acquired. Yeah. Just like, uh, so when you were a senior, you were in your accident and beforehand you had these visions and you had these dreams and then you were in a traumatic accident yeah. versus someone who might be in a wheelchair since they yeah. were born. Do you yeah. think it's a different, uh, a different experience and kind of, how do you think, uh, people kind of cope with that change? Yeah, I, it is very different and a different way of knowing this happened to me, I was born like this. Yeah. Or this happened to me, or I, like I met a kid who was pushed in a pool at five, and now she's a part of the handicapped community. So it's different strokes from diff for different folks. That's what I like to say. Different strokes for different folks. Some like Pepsi, some like Coke, right? But when you start coming and talking about what you like and what you dislike, then that opens up a door for you having to explain. And sometimes what you explain can either help someone or hinder someone. And so what I try to always do, man, for me, 
I understand. And, and I'm always very, very conscious of who I'm talking to and what I'm talking about. Because I was complaining one day because I couldn't stop having spasms. But then I met someone who's never had spasms. So what really helped me is knowing my personnel, but also understanding that, yes, it's different, but it, it's the differences that allow us to make a greater difference. We still connect because we are different. Everybody's different. The way we live, what we dress what we like it's difference it's difference all around you but it still allows you to make a greater difference so that's how i kind of look at you born like this this happened to you or or this just happened you know that's how i kind of look at it yes it's it's a different lifestyle it's a different lifestyle song i meet people all the time who have no passion of walking again yeah and that's okay yeah. because that's their desire it's not my desire Right, my desire is, is I still gonna try, although I've been given a five percent chance, although it ain't happened yet. That's still my desire, man. But I'm not gonna make you feel bad because that's not your desire, right? I just tried a lobster roll; it was okay to me. You was like, I don't eat them. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. Matter guy was like, it's not that I don't like them; it's just I'm allergic to seafood. Matter friend and honest, I love them. So different strokes for different folks, and so instead of focusing on the differences or what makes us different let's focus on what connections we may have because we all want and like some of the same things and if we are part of the handicapable community all we want is to live a healthy long accessible life right yeah. the being able to do things for our own on our own time and not having to always have to wait on someone if we're able to do that or if we have to have a caregiver I had to have a caregiver for about four or five years my uncle was my caregiver he left his job to be my caregiver he had to clothe me he had to feed me he had to bathe me he was had to take care of me my body was performing like a 17 year a 17 month old you know what I'm saying and but he still allowed me to have my own personal space yeah yeah so it's like everyone has their own goals yeah, and their the, own fact, goals. the fact that your goal is different than someone yeah, else's doesn't exactly. diminish the it value of their goal. Yeah. The, it doesn't diminish. But what but but what glorifies the dignity of the that of the goal is is we find a common ground, yeah. which is community. Yeah. That's why community is what you and I have in common. Yeah. 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 I think one of the barriers that prevents a lot of people from being more inclusive or accessible is communication yeah. etiquette um some people aren't sure what to say when yeah. they see someone in a wheelchair i'm we'll sure i mean you yeah you get that all the time you yeah. even see like a little kid might walk up and look at your wheelchair and their mom goes hey don't don't look at that person yeah. don't talk to that person and it just kind of perpetuates this yeah. narrative of like oh stay away yeah. from anyone who's different yeah. than you um yeah. regarding etiquette or language when you meet someone for the first time like if you're walking into a gym and i'm your trainer and we haven't met before what would you want me to ask you or talk to you about? I, I would honestly, I would ask that you greet me and treat me as you would do somebody else walking in the gym. Yeah. Right. Like don't, don't devalue me. Cause I look different than you because when I'm looking at you, I'm like, you look different than me. How in the world are you on two feet and I'm on four wheels and got two feet. So I'm already like, you look way different than me. Right. So it's already a different, but just you, pushing me and challenging me 
the same way you will push and challenge anyone, that's what I like. I remember my therapist, her name is Natalie Shannon. She's awesome. She's five foot. We used to do therapy, and this was me coming back to do therapy for a fourth time. And I remember going to therapy one day, and I said, before we stop, I just want to know, I want to ask, have you read the doctor report? She was like, yeah, I read it. And I said, well, what did it say? She said, well, you know, we can tell that you you have some limitations through walking. You only have a 5% chance. You haven't been able to move. And I'm sure you have no, you don't have any movement right now, do you? Right? Although she knew I did it, she still asked. And I said, well, why do you ask questions you already know? She said, I don't know. You probably got feeling right before you came in here. And that meant so much to me. And so I asked her a question that I never forget. And I said, do you believe I'll be able to walk again? And she said, it ain't really about if I believe or not. It's about what you believe. And that meant so much to me that she was willing to say, if you believe it, uh, my job is to help get you to what you believe. And so when I meet people, when I, when I, when I, when I, when I get with trainers, when I advocate is match my belief realistically. Cause with, technology today you can walk yeah. the doctor said i had a five percent chance but if you put me in some forest gump braces right now i can lean with it throw my leg and walk it's gonna be it's gonna take me two hours from get from here to the front but i can do it right but it's all about what are you willing to do and so i just like for people to don't assume my friend told me something the other day he said i tell my son all the time don't be the kid in the class thinking you know it all so that you don't look like, so that he, this, well, this is what he really said. I can't say it. See, don't be the kid in the front of the class that's just yelling out answers because you think you know it all, but you're making yourself look not smart at all, right? And so oftentimes when we don't know something, we pretend to know. And a person who pretends to know don't know nothing at all. So instead of pretending, oh, he can't do this or he may not want to do this or he may not want to get out of the chair and get him on the ground and do push-ups or this and that, don't pretend to know. Just ask what you don't know. So when that little kid runs up and that parent grabs away, the first thing I said was, charity starts at home. Hey, man, listen. It's nothing wrong with him running up. The kid may think I'm their grandfather or grandma. Do y'all have any chair user in the community? Oh, yeah, he thinks you're his grandma. That, yeah, but don't pull him away. Allow him to to, to still come up and, and to still be curious, right? Because that gives that person a sense of humor that, wow, a little child doesn't think of a dinosaur or anything like that, that, oh, let me run up because they like wheels or different things, so. <laughs> Different scrolls for different folks, man. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, so you said, like, to presume confidence, yeah. uh, ask questions. Yeah. And anyone that kind of adopts that, like, growth mindset. Um, when I'm working with someone who's a wheelchair user versus a, a client who might have had a knee replacement or an injury, yeah. we're always just trying to figure out what they're able to do. Yeah. Put together a list of exercises that kind of match that right. level. Uh, talk about their goals for you. You might want to walk again, but... We also have to address global yeah, strength global, and everything else. So we, we got to hit everything else. So find a yeah. way to kind of like collaborate between your goals and what I think as a fitness professional yep. would benefit you like yep. globally from a health standpoint. Um, so my goal right now is just to be healthy. Outside of walking again, yeah. I want to be healthy. I want to compete at the highest level. I want to ski. I want to be able to do anything I can do that my health permits me to do. That's my goal, and I and I attack it every day. Yeah. Yep. I just want to hit on um, 
But I mean, yeah, that, that you yeah. want just kind of that yeah, story yeah. as a whole. I yeah. enjoyed reading about it earlier yeah. this week when yeah. I was um, when I was doing my research. But um, yeah, do you want to maybe tell the listeners yeah. about uh, yeah. kind of how that came yeah. about? Emmy Award recipient was able to receive an Emmy Award just based on documentation and fighting and peaceful protesting for the UAB uh, bowling and rifle uh, free UAB movement that took place in 2014. You know, I'll be talking here today about utilizing your, your resources. As students, we did not have a lot of resources, right? UAB is a top five medical schools, top 10 youngest in the country, but we still struggle with resources on how do we get our story out with social media? The number one influence that we have instant-wise is our cell phones. So I said, we don't have money for cameras. We don't have money for 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 to be followed around by the paparazzi. We're going to picture everything. We're going to document everything, and we're going to take notes. And everything that we did, we captured this moment because we was we believed in how big this moment was. It wasn't just for me. It was my guy, Mike. It was my girl, Courtney. It was my boy, Trey, that all of us that kept our devices and became the resource. And when we brought our program back, our program at UAB ended December 2nd, 2014. I gave, I gave a press conference and told the team, when we come back, we'll be bowl eligible our first year back. We're going to win from championships, and the world will know our name. Sam Hunt came down, Marty Smith came down, ESPN came down and said, T.A., you're crazy. I said, I'm a crazy believer, right? I just believed in the program. I believed in the community. And Brandon, I believed in the program and community when when they announced we were coming back in six months after we raised $48 million as students that we documented and capitalized everything. When they announced we was coming back June 2nd, 2015, six months later, they nationally ranked us 132. It's only like 100 and yes, yeah, only like 130 teams. We were ranked at the bottom, and so we took this negative publicity, and that became our campaign. And I said, Coach, let's not run away from this. Let's run to it. Hashtag 132. They don't know. They've ranked us out of 130 some odd teams. We're the last one. But no one knows our narrative. No one knows what we believe in. And we document it, man, from our phone. We put it all together. And when the Sidewalk Film Festival came, we all sat down in a room. My guy Mike, my guy Courtney, my guy Trey, who was going to UAB for media. We all sat in a room and we became a producer. We became a director. And we told the story that we wanted to tell it. Didn't think anything was going to happen. We sent it to end to the sidewalk festival. They was like, what you think? I said, we told the truth. We was honest. And hey, I'm not a crier. It made me cry. It made me want to run through a wall. We got to get the community out to come and see this. The IMAX Museum in Birmingham, Alabama was like, man, we like this documentary. So we invited the whole UAB family and everybody to come out. And we watching it in like four max and it's all around us. And we're sitting in the audience like, man, we really got something here. And so a few weeks after that, we get an email from the National Emmy Award Ceremony Organization. And I think it's a scale. I'm like, what? Like, this is serious. And so I'll never forget the whole team went up. And I'm sitting at the table with the CEO who's over the Emmys. And man, honestly, we're eating a meal. This is probably the first 
encore meal I ever ate in my life. Like I saw stuff on my plate. I'm saying like, do I eat this? Like it was like plants and I didn't know what it was. It was a good salad, but it was like purple leaves. I had never seen purple cabbage in my life. But anyway, the, the CEO asked and he says, hey, you're Mr. Alexander. You're nominated for an Emmy. He says, how do you feel? If How would you feel if you're not an Emmy recipient? I saw what everybody else was doing when he asked me this question. They was they set up prostrated. They wiped their mouths with their nice handkerchiefs that they have. And so I did the same thing. Wiped my mouth. I saw people drinking water and I drunk water and I crossed my hands over like everybody else was doing. And I leaned to him and said, even if I don't win, I'll always be able to say I was nominated for it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And he said, that's the best response I've ever given. Five seconds after that, as they're playing these things in the background, the sports program feature, I get word that I just became an Emmy Award recipient, just like Charles Barkley, just like John Madden, just like some of the great celebrities in this world that are Emmy Awards one and two and three times back to back. And they asked me to come out there and speak. I've only had two bad speeches in my life. The first speech is when I was speaking in Denver, Colorado, when I found out my father, who at the time was struggling with dementia, he came up missing right before I got on stage. The second time was when I gave my Emmy Award. I was so caught off guard because I wasn't expecting to win that if you watch the video that we showed today, I kind of stutter a little bit. And all I can say, the greatest gift is the gift of giving. To whom much is given, much is required. Y'all have a great day. I didn't know what else to say because I could not believe that I had just received one of the highest rewards for humanity just by serving my community. And it changed my life. You know what I'm saying? And I never knew how big it was until I see people who receive Emmys and you know I look at that I look at that great reward all the time and that's just a testament to me to go farther and to do more you yeah it's, it's an interesting contrast between before earlier you mentioned how after your accident you want to take your life and now you're achieving all yeah, these things all these like things. how much better is your life because of your disability yeah it has my opposition is my inspiration This has truly inspired me because there are days, I mean, you know, I I don't say that I struggle, but I have to be mentally strong every day because when my kids are running or when I go around a family member, what do you do when you go around a family member's house and a child sees you in a wheelchair and knows and they run upstairs and say, come on, Uncle Tim, Mm -hmm. like, what do you do? Like, so you got to still be able to be inspiring when you have those moments. And so that's why I live out loud. I have an image on my body that says, push, pray until something happens. Chosen royalty on my body right now, because I'm using my life as a living example of we don't need it to be easy. We just need it to be possible. But as I told CEO Michelle, I do it with a smile on my face. I do it willingly. I do it positively. I do it. Why? Because I've already faced the most difficult time in life. People say nobody gets a second chance in life. 
I got three chances. I flatlined three times in the hospital. And even after I flatlined three times and they brought me back to life and said, you have a severe brain damage, they still said, you only have a 5% chance of making it to see tomorrow. And so 17 years later, here I am still challenging the status quo. I started first with my mind because I'm still only giving a 5% chance of making it to see tomorrow. But what gives me a better chance is my nutrition. What gives me a better chance is my, 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 my perspective toward fitness, making the right food options, living a very balanced and, and, and visionary life, right? And understanding that it is what it is. And really, this is what I tell myself. I used to always hear, suck it up. Now I embrace this up because it ain't nothing good about being the only thing good about being in a wheelchair sometimes is you ain't got to wait in lines, you get free perks, you ain't got to wait in line if you go to Disney, you get to get on the plane, and just a lot of perks that come with it. But that don't mean sometimes when it's cold, when you put your chair in your car and you look back, your chair gone down. Or when you're out in public and you know you've been great on your bowel bladder or your bladder plan and you end up having an accident and now you got to stop. And go and change clothes. And then come out. Hey what made you change? And now you got to explain yourself. And you really don't like explaining yourself. Right? So those are the things that make you become so mentally driven. And so mentally strong. Because you don't know what you're going to face. But you got to welcome it. That's why I don't fly in. If I have an event, you will never see me. And never is a strong word. But if I have an event, you will never see me fly in a day of. Because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's just my life. Plan for the unexpected. Be prepared for the unexpected. But being prepared is the is is very minimal. Because I have to prepare my mind every day. Every morning, I listen to a song called Optimistic. It's about a group called, it's about a group called Sounds of Blackness, man. Um, Coming to America. They have a song called Optimistic, and the song says, you can win as long as you keep your head to the sky. Yep. Yep. A lot of these episodes, we wrap up, like our taglines, making fitness accessible. So the, like question, the question that we ask all of our guests is, um, what do you think needs to be done for the industry to be more accessible as a whole? I think every gym needs to have more than two accessible uh, equipment. If you have a gym, Everything in that gym needs to be accessible, accessible in a way that your family members would say, I'm comfortable enough of laying on this bench. I'm comfortable enough of doing this. If you have to walk away and help somebody else, knowing that you're coming back, I don't have to think twice about, is there a place I can get out and stretch or a wheelchair height med uh, massage table I can get on and lay out to, to always think of those who needs you to think about and to make your make your place accessible fitness is all about how accessible you can be for others and so i just want people to do that and by doing that people will be able to grow in health and, and, and have a healthy mind because they have a place where they can operate and, and do fitness and bring forth transformative growth Absolutely. Tim, thanks for joining thanks us today. Me. Thank you for coming yes, out. Man, you the man. It, was, Thank uh, you. it was nice to meet Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the AdaptX podcast. Our effort to amplify the ideas of our guests and create more inclusive and accessible industries is futile unless these episodes reach a larger audience. If you enjoyed our discussion today, please leave us a rating or a review on whichever platform you use. 
And if you would like to learn more about Adaptex, the course that we teach to health and fitness professionals and the projects that our organization is working on, you can subscribe to our newsletter through our website, www.adaptex.org. Until next Monday.